10,000 feet up, breaking all the lights on the doors. And I ain't seen no ceilings. We came in through the top floor. Three oars rip right round your jugular. You're listening to Feminist Killjoys, PhD, and our feminism, pop culture, and politics, as discussed by two professional killjoys. I'm Rachel. And I'm Melody. And today we'll be discussing sexual harassment in the workplace and how to get through it and stop it with special guest Lacey O'Brien of Revoice. But first, Melody, where can our listeners find us on the internet? In select places. Subscribe to us on your favorite podcast application. You get extra points. Sorry. <laughs> You'll get extra points. I just try to make it like entertaining every right. week. You know, I just like got to right. do something. <laughs> Anyways, you'll get extra FKJ points if you leave us a review on iTunes or if you tell a friend about us, do it and tell them to listen to us and subscribe. They'll love us. If you love us, they'll love us. On the social meds tip, we are on all the platforms that are still cool in our bleeding millennial-edged world. So that would be the gram. Oh, man, we're doing some awesome gram stories where we respond to each other's story. You have to, like, check those out, y'all. So the gram, the Twitter, FKJ underscore PhD for both of those accounts. Facebook, you can like our episode or like our uh, just our general page to get episode updates. Otherwise, you can join our community group, which is Feminist Killjoys Community WTF Power Exclamation Point. And we have just like insider convos there. And we also are on the FI. So if you search for Feminist Killjoys PhD mixtape, you will find our mixtape, which is composed of all of our outro songs and some other gems in there that is curated by Rachel. And also curated by Rachel is our newsletter, The Killjoy Review, which you can receive in your email box if you become a Patreon of any amount. So find us on Patreon by uh, searching for our podcast name. And if you donate $5 or more, you will also get access to our bonus episodes. We did release one bonus episode publicly because we thought it was very important for everybody to hear. Other ones that are a little bit more niche or in the weeds with some feminist stuff is available on Patreon with a $5 or more donation per month. And thank you so much to all of our Patreon donors. Like you don't understand how nice it is for us to have that like steady amount of money coming in so that we can help support people that we bring on the show, hosting, technical stuff. Like it it is very, very helpful for us. And lastly, you can email us with any of your questions, concerns, or excitement at fkj.phd at gmail.com. Hello, Rachel. How are you? Hi, Melody. That was a fantastic version of the spiel. So well done. I echo all of it. I am well. As I told you before we started recording, uh, very busy. Listeners may remember talking about Summer Sad and you were like, sometimes I put too much on my plate and I think I'm in that position where I was just, I'm just taking on a, a lot of side hustles and I think I need to start saying no to things more often. And I'm also teaching a lot of yoga. So just very, very busy. Uh, but, but doing okay, feeling okay about life, just just very sort of run thin, as they say. What about you? I'm, do, I'm doing okay. The stress of the new semester coming up is mm-hmm. hitting me a little bit, so I'm trying to ignore it. <laughs> it's pretty <laughs> fine. I spent the last couple days with my friend who is eight years old, and man, 
it is a challenge to take care of children. My goodness. Mm-hmm. He's also really into video games that I'm not into. And so it's like hard for me because I'm like, I want to like act interested because like you're my buddy, but I don't want to like fake interest because that's not really a good thing for him to like learn or experience, you know? Right. So I, you know, I have a lot of like thoughts about childcare. And so sometimes I'm like, you know, this isn't really like my favorite thing. Like I'll, I'll sit here with you, but I'm not really gonna. Basically what he needs is a buddy to come over and like they can yeah. both geek out about video game videos because I just yeah. can't, you know? Yeah. So, you know, and then he convinced me to play a video game and then my eyes hurt for like a full day because I never uh, stared at the screen that long with like bouncing right. stuff. And I was just like, oh my God, I can't yeah. do it. I'm too old for this. So, but it's obviously great to hang out with a kid. Makes you see things differently. And I made a vision board because you inspired me, Rachel. <gasps> Yay. Oh, that makes me so happy. We should maybe have an episode on vision boarding or manifest like witchy manifesting stuff, but because I have so much to say about it. But how did it go? It was good. I just made one for the upcoming feeling that I want to feel going into the school year. So I love that. I love that. That's fantastic. It was very fun. Although some of the magazines I was using, I couldn't look at because some of magazines are problematic. You know, right? Right. So I stuck to like this like DIY house magazine. It was okay. It was good. Yeah. It was good. I drew some stuff. I'll send you a picture of it. I'd like that. That's great. Awesome. Yay. Well, we could probably keep chit-chatting, but why don't we get to our special interview with Lacey? Lacey's really inspiring and awesome. We just got connected on the internet, and uh, her project's really cool, and we wanted to have her on to talk about it. So Lacey O'Brien started Revoice at the beginning of this year following her own experience coming forward to report sexual harassment at her place of employment. And the experience was so jarring that O'Brien started to look for resources on this topic and found that there was a gap in the nonprofit sector for supporting people experiencing sexual harassment at work. She'll tell us a lot more about the details of what her organization does. So without further ado, Melody, will you take us there? Thank you, Lacey O'Brien, for joining us. Lacey, as we mentioned in her bio, uh, is the founder of Revoice. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be on your podcast. I'm a fan, and this is just a really excellent opportunity for me to get the word out about Revoice. So Revoice is a nonprofit that I started in the beginning of this year um, as a result of my own experience going through sexual harassment in the workplace and finding that there wasn't a lot of resources available out there. Um, You know, it's really hard to, to navigate when you're going through it. And I wound up looking for a lot of resources that I found just didn't exist. So I decided to start a nonprofit where I could provide people with the resources that I was looking for, and then hopefully additional support as I go along. Lacey, that was an amazing overview of what Revoice is. You mentioned your own personal experience with sexual harassment. Do you, um, would you like to like share what that what that was and kind of how that inspired you to start Revoice? Yeah, absolutely. I am very open about my story. I don't include details about the employer and I don't I'm not here to throw anybody under the bus, but I am here to share my story because I think that's the most important resource out there when people are going through this is to say, "Oh, here's other people that have gone through the same thing and this is this is how they navigated it and this is what that looked like for them." So, I've experienced sexual harassment in many places of employment. 
but I had never come forward to report it because for various reasons, whether it seemed like more hassle than it was worth, or I was scared of what was going to happen with my coworkers if they found out that I had reported it, you know, would there be gossip about me? Um, would there be retaliation? So there's been many times where I chose to remain silent, but this one particular time last year, that what was happening was so scary that I felt like I didn't have any other option other than to come forward. And the experience was very jarring and it, it was it was a lot to go through. So I'll give you a little bit of background about what happened. I had been working in a new position for about six months and I started to receive phone calls from a coworker at my desk in the morning. The first time it happened, it was eight o'clock in the morning on a Monday. And I sat down and I was just getting into work mode, checking my emails and my phone rang. I answered it ready, you know, to take a business call, but it was my coworker who was audibly drunk, slurring his words and telling me how sexy I was and if he could take me to a hotel room, which I didn't know. I didn't have my coffee yet. I was like, is this, is this real? What's, you know, I couldn't, it took me so off guard because I was like sitting there in my work clothes at my work desk, like, and here's this guy talking about how sexy I am. And I just couldn't figure out how to handle the situation in the moment, like what to do. So I just flat, flat out just said like, that's not going to happen. And then he hung up. And then I just sat there, like, kind of looking around my office, like, did that just happen? Did I imagine this? And so I I sat there for a moment. I called my husband because I was was shaking because then I started to think, like, is he outside? Did he – he called, like, five minutes after I had gotten to work. So I was like, does he – does he know that I just got here? Is he outside? So I locked all the doors, called my husband, and then he came down and we decided together that we were going to report it to HR. So that's the point in the story where everything kind of went downhill for me. I really wish I had known what was going to happen once I made that phone call to HR. I really wasn't prepared I called and then they said that I had to file a report. By that time I had left my office because I was so scared that this this drunken, you know, guy was was stalking me. So I had left the office, went back home, dealt with HR. They said I had to come back to the office and make a report. So I went back, I was still visibly shaken. I didn't go back to work until they investigated it. They couldn't prove that it was the guy that I said it was. So then I was expected to just go back to work, which was, I just can't even, how do you just go back to work after something like that happens, you know, and just think, so then I went back to work and, and had a massive amount of anxiety. Like, is this guy now who I know, you know, was drunk when he called me that time. So I'm like, I don't know what to expect from him. And now he's been talked to by HR so now what? Is he going to is he going to attack me? Is he going to come find me? Like is he going to be mad that I reported him? I was terrified and losing my mind. Then we came to find out that while I wasn't at work while they were investigating, he had called the office every single day 
every every morning from like six o'clock to eight o'clock, just was like phone call after phone call after phone call in the phone records. I was always the first one to get there. So like no, nobody knew that that was happening. But yet he was calling from a blocked number. So I couldn't, there was, nobody could prove that it was happening or that it was like who I said it was. So there was no action that could be taken by the company to, to keep me safe. So I just didn't go to work until they said that they were going to file a police investigation to see if they could get the number unblocked, which they did. But then the police said that, they could it they wouldn't unblock it for whatever reason. I don't know. They deemed it wasn't important enough to look into. Uh, uh, I know, right? So I tried. I tried to go back to work and just say, okay, this is gonna be okay. They talked to this guy, like it, you know, it's gonna be fine. But I just couldn't get out of my mind. Like he he calls, you know, he's calling me every morning. And it's just over and over, even after the first incident where I had reported it. So I just couldn't get out of my mind that he was that drunk and, and I just didn't know what he was capable of. So I just told them I'll work from home, but I'm not coming into work because I don't feel safe. And eventually they let me go. They fired me because I wouldn't show up to work. Oh my um, gosh. Yeah, it was a nightmare. And then dealing with dealing with HR during it, that was the most heartbreaking part of the whole ordeal is that I had very naively just assumed that HR would kind of be there for me or ask me what I needed or how I wanted to go forward. But, you know, the thing is, is that HR is there to protect the liability of the company. They're not there for me. So I created Revoice to be an objective third-party resource for people who are going through this so that you know, they do have someone on their side that's there just for them that can walk them through the whole process and say, okay, if you're going to come forward, this is what you have to expect to happen. You know, they have to cover what they need to cover legally, you know, so that they stay safe, the company, so the companies stay safe. And, you know, I get that, like they have to do that. So I just want to be there for the employee going through the experience. First, I just want to say that, you know, I'm sorry that you like, countless, countless women and other people of different genders have experienced things like this. And just that living with fear and your description of the fear, I think, is so much the crux of what, again, disproportionately women feel moving through the world uh, for, for exactly things like this. So thank you for your vulnerability and sharing that. And also just how amazing that you took this horrible experience and decided to do something really constructive and good for other people because of it. So also, I just want to sort of honor that response. It's really, it's really powerful. It has revoiced, I know, I think it's kind of newer, right? So I'm not sure if you've actually worked with people yet, or if this is just the sort of foundation stage. Um, so that's my first question. And the second question is, when you do work with people, whether that's happened or not yet so far, like, does the company have to know about it? Or is this sort of a private consultation that the victim uh, has with you? Can you just sort of walk us through the logistics of what, uh, what it would be like if somebody came to you? Absolutely. So Revoice is newer. Um, I'm just forming a steering committee to help me stay accountable, both legally and socially. So I haven't I haven't consulted with anyone, whether it be an employer or a victim of harassment yet. I'm still working towards that goal. And until I can be held accountable, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, take anybody on and guide them through exactly 
what to do because I'm not qualified to tell anybody what to do yet. I'm working towards that. What I can do is share my own story. And that oftentimes is enough to help people understand what to do or what not to do. Mm -hmm. So I have a whole story section up on the Revoice website, which is stopsexualharassment.com, where people are submitting stories. And I'm hoping until I get to the point where I can actually start helping people, like that the stories in themselves will, will start to help in that process. Absolutely. I mean, stories definitely have helped me for, you know, similar sort of situations. I was curious, Lacey, like, have you done research? into this, um, like the legal standards and, and anything. I just want to hear more about that because I that's what st- stood out to me is that even though you had what I would think to be like overwhelming proof and um, what like what they expected you as the victim to do to collect proof seemed a little harsh. And so I was just wondering if you could speak a little bit more to that and how you your how Revoice might help unfortunate future victims um, deal with this part of coming forward. Yes. So the biggest lesson that I learned is that there's consequences that happen for the victim, whether they report the harassment or stay silent. And it is absurd. And when you think about it, it's just, you know, somebody decides to open their mouth and say a few hurtful, alarming words. And then immediately it sets off this chain reaction of consequences for the person on the receiving end the victim of the harassment, they have, so now they have this emotional burden of deciding like, how do I confront this? Do I confront it? What's going to happen if I report it? What happens if everybody finds out? Um, there's, I think 70% of people who reported that they've experienced harassment say that it was by a coworker who was in a senior position. So, and that was my experience as well. So that's a whole added consequence of there's a power dynamic at play, which is if I report this, am I going to lose my job? Am I going to lose my my source of income? So the, the consequences are there no matter what happens. Um, it is a burden that you have to you. I've talked to so many people who say that once they reported it, they felt like they were on trial and that they were the ones being charged and you know it just winds up the language and and the way it gets talked about it just winds up being that that's the case you kind of have to you yourself are on trial and you have to prove that this is happening and it just seems so unfair have any in in insight into why that is harassment you know especially at the workplace and other places as well it ends up being more of a burden on the victim than other crimes would be considered? I don't have any insight into why that's the case other than it just seemingly seems to be our culture. You know, so think about what's happening politically right now. And you think about the people that were coming forward when the current president was campaigning and we have all these people coming forward saying I was harassed or assaulted by this man. And then immediately the immediate response is to tear into the people who are, who are making those claims. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not, it's not tearing into the person who, who did the crime. It's you're judging the people who are making the claim. And 
I think that that is just so prevalent. And I really hope part of the mission of Revoice is to do a public awareness marketing campaign so that I can start to talk about victim blaming as it pertains to harassment, especially harassment in the workplace and, you know, what it looks like for somebody to be able to step forward and and have integrity as they're doing this. I think that's an amazing mission. And yeah, it obviously is. It's been needed forever since the patriarchy existed. And but I was just going to say, I think the answer is the patriarchy. patriarchy. That that wasn't a trick question. That wasn't a trick question. But like, it's really that it's like, wow, because the patriarchy is so embedded in our society that women, when they are victims of a crime that usually men commit against women, were the ones that are put on trial. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, there's even more, uh, it's even more frustrating because sometimes you're dealing with coworkers who, you know, they don't, they don't know it, but they have the internalized misogyny where they kind of just jump on that bandwagon of like, well, how did you provoke it? What did you do? You know, instead of saying, oh, I'm sorry that that happened to you. Like what? It's just insane kind of the thinking around it all. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing I wanted to say is just that uh, Melody and I in academia have so many stories of our uh, our peers who have experienced sexual harassment and academia is just, I just want to make sure that everybody knows that it's not special. It's it's exactly the same response. You know, the there's rarely any real significant effect on the perpetrator. Uh, and in many cases, both at you know, two schools that I've been at, uh, so this, so I imagine that it happens many places, is that the victims end up getting, like, basically relocated. So I have two examples of female professors who have been taken from their home department, put into another department, because they experience harassment as opposed to trying to, like, you know, hold the perpetrator accountable kind of situation. <laughs> right, exactly. It's like, let's not move the perpetrator. Right, let's right. move the victim. Right. It's like, come yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. It's a little bit ridiculous. So that was one one comment. And I, my second question is, is, is there any part of Revoice that is interested in actually addressing... Again, disproportionately men, of course, sexual harassment, anybody, anybody of any gender can perpetrate it or be a victim of it. But disproportionately men, is there any um, goal of Revoice to uh, sort of for like preventative measures to sort of address how men can not (laughs) not harass, for example, you know, and, and making sort of the the point that there are going to be instances when men potentially don't actually know what they're doing, which is not making an excuse for them at all. Um, it's making, it's saying how disgusting our patriarchal culture is that some people wouldn't know that things aren't okay. And, or, you know, to actually address men who do maybe know they're doing harm and to say, hey, don't do this. And I'm not saying that Revoice should do that. I'm just asking if there's any attention to um, addressing potential perpetrators. Yes. Yes, that is absolutely. So there's three agendas for Revoice. One is support services for the victim, which I mentioned. The other is public service marketing campaign. And then lastly, it's workshops and materials for employers. So how can you bring us in or bring our resources in and have a group meeting with management and say, here's what sexual harassment looks like. Mm -hmm. Here's what happens if 
it, if someone reports it, you know, here's what not to do. Like, I don't think that that's clear enough. Mm-hmm. It's mandated right now that companies have sexual harassment materials and resources. I just think it needs a lot of work. You have this like really incredible like consulting business model. So I'm curious what it was like to basically start your own nonprofit, particularly to start a nonprofit that is so personal to you. Can you just sort of talk a little bit about what it was like to do something? Because I think that a lot of people would like to take something bad and turn it into something really good and generative and to make it a business since we all have to find a way to live is important. So can you just talk a little bit about that process and how you even thought to do that? Yeah, I thought to start the nonprofit because, I mean, basically, I just wanted to do whatever I could that could help other people. And when I I was shocked to realize when I was researching what resources are available that there isn't anything like this out there. Mm. Nothing. There is nothing that addresses sexual harassment in the workplace specifically. Um, So that's a good place to start. That's the first question that everybody asked me when I said, I'm starting a nonprofit. They said, is there anything like this out there? Mm. And I had to really make sure that there wasn't because that's, that's what makes it difficult is when someone wants to stand up and, and support a cause, sometimes they'll find that there's already a ton of people doing that. So it might be better off to align with the Mm. groups that are already doing it than to just start another one. Mm -hmm. But in this instance, there's a huge gap in the nonprofit sector in this area. Mm. So I decided to go for it. And I don't, I have a background in architecture and design. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't have a background in law or women's studies. And to, to get myself going in this was so scary. I'm still terrified on a daily basis that I'm going to screw it all up. But, you know, I'm not going to let that fear keep me from trying to do it. It's just, it's kind of like I have to be ready to make a million mistakes along the way and just say, yeah, I'm going to make mistakes, but I'm going to keep going after I make them and just try to keep getting better. The hardest part is the legal part. Um, one, just nonprofit law, but mm. two, the legal aspect that I have to research for dealing with sexual harassment in the workplace, because it's all about the legality of it, mm. which is kind of frustrating, actually, because I think most people like myself, when they experience it, are kind of like, I, yeah, I don't really care about filing a lawsuit. I just want the harassment to stop. So there's really nothing in that gray area, like where you can just reach out and say, okay, I, what do I do if I don't want to file a lawsuit? I think everybody, all the information on the web right now is just, you need to file a lawsuit and here's how to do it. And you're just kind of scratching your head like, okay, but <laughs> that seems like a lot of work and a lot of energy. And you know, that the end result of the lawsuit oftentimes is that you just get to keep your job, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, ha- great how much of a reward is that and especially now that everybody in my workplace knows that this happened like it's still going to be uncomfortable so I think that there's room for a lot of other support services to exist Uh, my main goal is to hire a licensed social worker to be on call that can really walk people through what's going on like is there any way you can address this with your coworker personally like if it's not that serious if you're mm-hmm. not frightened you know can you address this directly or what would it look like if you talk to your manager or just all the kind of different options that you could take before you got to the point where you wanted to file a lawsuit so anyway to answer your question i would say that 
Um, it's been a struggle figuring out the legal piece. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been the hardest part of starting this. And then the second hardest part has been fundraising. Mm-hmm. So right now, I'm existing primarily on private donations made through my Patreon account. But I can't really seem to figure out how to get people interested in this topic to get them to sign up to donate. Because right now it's just like friends and family who think this organization is really great and they're helping me along. And I have about 20 patrons. So I am so grateful for their support because their donations specifically have helped me build the website and file my paperwork and do things like that. But going forward... I'm kind of like, okay, well, either I have to rely on private donations or now I have to start grant writing. So that's a whole other beast that I'm going to start looking into. um, And that's going to take forever to figure out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it seems like a huge undertaking. And uh, it's really cool that you're you're going for it. So, uh, I mean, two things that I think are relevant is that one, we might have listeners that might have some input on, you know, grant writing or other things like that. I'm sure we have some listeners that, that have, have uh, work in nonprofits or started them. So listeners, get at us. We'll, we'll help you connect with Lacey. And second, obviously, we, we want folks to visit your Patreon. Um, you do a lot of posting. You give a lot of great content. We support you uh, as FKJ. So, uh, yes, check on, uh, go hop on over to Patreon and look for Revoice. I did just have uh, maybe a follow-up comment about the legal aspect in terms of how important something like revoice is, because as you're talking, I was kind of going down memory lane about some of the sexual harassment situations that I've been in more as a support system than uh, a victim, which I'm very, you know, lucky to be in that position. But something that was told to me many times is that, you need to have a lot of energy to follow a sexual harassment or sexual assault claim through because something that I think just the patriarchy does is they try to wear us out where we just kind of give up on it because it's just so difficult. They drag it out in the courts. And so some of the advice that I was given was you need to think about whether you want to go forward with claims because it is going to exhaust you and it's going to suck up a lot of your life and you need to figure out if you want to do that or not. So the so what I'm feeling with Revoice is that just being an emotional support system or an organization that people can tap into is just so important because oftentimes the victims just want to give up because they hit these walls, some of what you have actually experienced, Lacey, and they just want to give up, which then helps reaffirm the status quo of mostly men being able to harass mostly women. And that system just continues because the society set it up where it's very hard to follow through on harassment claims. And so I just wanted to just kind of affirm just the importance of the emotional support, let alone all the legal stuff that you have to work through and learn. But just being an emotional support, even like a hotline is just so important. And it it makes me sad slash happy that it doesn't exist, but that your organization is now growing. So I don't know if you want to respond to that, Lacey, but I just wanted to kind of highlight that aspect of your organization. Yes, that it, that's the biggest piece to this is that the consequences of dealing with harassment are sometimes greater than the harassment itself. 
there have been so many days where I've wondered what would it have been like if I never reported that instance to HR. My life would just kind of be a little bit easier right now because I'd still have my job and maybe some cre- I'd be worried about some creepy guy, but like I wouldn't have lost my job or you know, it, it's been really difficult. And there's so many stories that are starting to come in of women who are, who are saying the same thing. You know, this one, this one woman that I spoke to the other day had to change careers because she was so niched in what she did mm-hmm. that the consequences and, and the talk in her industry around what was going on made it so that she had to completely switch careers and start over. You know, that's a huge consequence. It's such a burden. So absolutely having emotional support is so pertinent to empowering people, whether it's men or women, to stand up and say, this isn't this isn't right and I'm not going to take it. And I'm going to move forward, even if it means that my world is going to come crashing down as I do so. Yeah. Although I feel that if, you know, beyond revoice, I think you just saying that is a good reminder to listeners that, you know, if you are friends or know people that are victims of sexual harassment or assault, that it is very important for you to be supportive of them. And it's amazing if, you know, even just a few people come to the support of a victim, how much that can change the situation. I'm, Lacey, you didn't mention a big support system that you had like in your you know at at your workplace that's not part of your narrative so correct me if I'm wrong but I think um in some of the harassment uh situations that I've been supportive with the more people that got behind the victim the better the outcome was and the more ostracized that the actual harasser was but it really takes I don't want to be corny, but like, you know, a village to make that work. Because if it is just one singular person, that's when things get really, really difficult. Yes. And actually, I had, I have a huge support network in my personal life. And many of them were so helpful. And especially my husband, um, he, I think he, he made, he could have made or broke my mental stamina with his reaction. And because there was so many times where I thought, this is crazy. I must be crazy. Mm -hmm. It's just, I don't know why I have that reaction, but when craziness is happening around me, I just kind of default to, it must be my fault. And he was just there every step of the way saying, this isn't your fault. You didn't do anything wrong. It's okay. You're keep crying. Like you're going to be okay. You're not overreacting. Cause I would just keep I would be panicking on a daily basis. I would wake up in the middle of the night in tears because I was terrified that this guy was going to find out where I lived and assault me. And I would just wake up in tears and have a complete breakdown. And then I would feel so guilty for doing that and waking him up in the middle of the night and expecting him to be upset with me. But he just kept reiterating, like, this isn't your fault. You're not overreacting. It's okay. And that just made all the difference in the world for me to feel like I was empowered to move forward in a a solution-oriented direction. That's so so great that that he was so supportive and it's you know, sad that not everybody has access to that. And another reason why your organization is so important. You're doing really good work. And that's, we really hope that you can continue on and get 
you know, all the th- all the resources you need, the having a social worker on your team sounds awesome. So thanks for doing what you're doing. It's not easy. It sounds. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking an interest in the project. When I saw that you had signed up to my Patreon, I was like, Oh my God, this is amazing. Uh, it was like a really, really great, uh, little reminder to keep going that I'm doing something that's good. Oh, that makes us happy. That's awesome. Um, where else can people find you other than Patreon? So stop sexual harassment.info is the website and I'm still building resources on there. I'm on Patreon as patreon.com slash revoice and would love to have new followers, even if they don't sign up to donate, even followers on there to stay interested in the project would be great. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram as EIQ Revoice. EIQ Revoice. Great. We'll link to all of those things. And thank you again so much. But also, we would love you to stay for our RWL segment. Uh, will you join us? Yes. Awesome. Cool. Uh, Melody, do you want to start? You have yours ready? Oh, do I? <laughs> Did I tell FKJ listeners, Rachel, that I'm watching One Mississippi with Tig Notaro? Uh I don't know that you did. You've talked okay. about Tig, but I don't remember if... It doesn't feel familiar to me. Yeah. <laughs> so I started watching... Wait, that's an W. We have to start with an R melody. (laughs) I know that you put this in the newsletter, but I did want to voice that uh, this article that we might, I think we might even do a bonus up on the the article that's titled Excommunicate Me from the Social Justice Church. Mm -hmm. So we might revisit this article soon, listeners, but if you haven't read it, you can find it in our newsletter. You could also just Google it. It is about how, mm, you know, how a church can be a little like, you know, like people hold you up to very high standards and they can be very judgy and you have to kind of do the right thing or you're not really part of the church, yada, yada. Uh, th- this this writer kind of used that to explain what's going on in social justice circles. And I am both implicated and have experienced that in many ways. And it's something that I work on almost on a daily basis because I just do social justice work all the time. And so I just wanted to share that with people. I don't, I don't like approve or disapprove of the article. I just, it's something that will make you think for sure. So I wanted to do that. Watching now, I can go to my W. I'm watching Tignataro's show on Amazon called One Mississippi. And just an FYI, uh, it is dark. And if you have any sort of like family dysfunction, I would just tread lightly into it because it just throws you into it. And Tig is usually... Tig uses humor to get through some of that stuff. But on the show specifically, it's a little bit darker and kind of like... Thankfully, I had like therapy the day after I started watching it, but can really like get you to, you know, start thinking. So just an FYI, but I am I'm enjoying that and listening to I started to go on a Coldplay binge because (laughs) I'm like really into that poppy song that they have with Chainsmokers. Okay, and I am just more confident in my love for Coldplay like there's been times where they've released new albums and had singles and not the problematic one with Beyonce but you know some of them were like this is really catchy but then I say I'm not Melody you don't like Coldplay anymore okay like they're not cool anymore their first album was maybe their second like you gotta move on you know so I'm like coming to terms with my problematic enjoyment of Coldplay 
And because of Spotify, thank you, Rachel, yep. <laughs> I can just listen to all the albums if I want to. And so <laughs> that is what I spend my time doing some sometimes. And just a little caveat to my listening to as well. When I was driving to Milwaukee this past weekend, I put on the Juliana Theory CD like at basically the same time I did the follow, the previous month when I discovered yeah. it in my uh in my CD or my glove compartment. So that's uh that made a a reappearance and I thought about you all but I couldn't make like make a video cuz I was driving right. but I wanted to really bad. That's great. Um I feel like your love of Coldplay is definitely not problematic. It's just a sign for me. I feel like when I'm like listening to like very easy listening, like very poppy, very just sort of top 40. It just feels like, okay, I'm getting older and this is inevitable. Like, you know, I'll search on Spotify for literally just like the most generic, like coffee house playlist. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is great. Like a little, yeah, exactly. Like get some Nora Jones. I'm like, ah, yeah, I'm like in my thirties, loving it. (laughs) So uh, that's really funny. Um, cool. Uh, I am reading, well, I'll talk about, okay, I'll talk about this book. So there's this book, this is also kind of embarrassing and problematic, maybe. It's a book called Material Girl Mystical World, and it's very much, like, up my alley in that it's about astrology and tarot and, uh, like, witchy stuff, but, um, from the perspective of, like, a hip, you know, fashionista that makes me roll my eyes a little bit, but... Um, it's very woo and I'm very into woo stuff. So there you have it. I'm still watching The Handmaid's Tale, which is, have either, are either of you watching it? No, I'm too scared to. Yeah, that's probably a good idea to maybe avoid it given what your, the story you just told and and the work that you immerse yourself in. Um, it's very hard for me to watch too, as also a sexual assault, uh, and harassment survivor. Um, it's it's really fucking intense, but I do find it very good. Melody, have you watched it at all? No, I haven't. Do you think you're going to? I don't know now. Yeah. I'm, let me get through one Mississippi with Tig before yeah. I go down another hole of yeah, something or other. I don't know. Is it like, like I, I feel like I needed to watch The Wire, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do I need to watch The Handmaid's Tale? I don't know if I if you need. I mean, I don't think you need to watch like I needed to watch Oranges of the New Black, right? There's some that you just like have to, especially like in our positionality. Like, is it important for me? I is feel, it important for me? I feel like it It kind of is in terms okay. of media scholarship and feminist media scholarship in particular. Okay, then I'll yeah. do it. Yeah. I can do it. Just prepare but thank yourself. you for the caution. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. major content notes and trigger warnings. And then listening to, oh, I, I've been teaching tons. I've been subbing yoga and sculpt like, wild so just my yoga playlist my sculpt playlist and my yoga playlist yoga is very you know quiet and dreamy and my sculpt playlist is a lot of like remixes and hip-hop and things like that so it's been good what about what's you, the best oh wait hang on hang on yep. with the sculpt one because the sculpt ones are always good like what's yeah. your favorite jam on it right now my current favorite jam on my sculpt playlist is a song called Tigre or T-I-G-R-E Tigra Tigre um, by Jarena DeMarco and I think I maybe stole this one from the Broad City soundtrack I was just curious thank you yep Lacey yeah I am reading The Art of Asking by Amanda Palmer I don't know Mm. if you have heard of it Mm -hmm. it's 
amazing and I'm really inspired um, by the work that she does and especially the work that she does with uh, her Patreon account. That's mm-hmm. what inspired me to use Patreon. Um, I'm watching Glow about the women wrestlers in the 80s. How is I mean, it? I want to watch I, it. I love it. I love it. I wasn't sure going in. I was like, mm, this could go either way, but I've been I've like a few episodes in now and I'm really enjoying it. Awesome. And I'm listening to a lot of L7. Nice. (laughs) Love it. Yeah. Yeah. I do um I do paintings every month. I'm painting one painting a month to depict my experience uh going through the harassment and coming forward kind of as my own art therapy but also as a way to um keep people interested in the project. They can wait for a new painting to come out every month. So, I've got L7 playing while I'm painting my painting this month, especially the song Shitlist. It's like amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, it's the best form of therapy is, like, painting these paintings and then, you know, thinking of, like, these, you know, people that are on my shit list and just painting it all out. I love that. That's fantastic. I think we know our outro music. Yes. I also love that the guests that I just interviewed an hour ago had the same watching, had the same W. As you or me or Lacey? As Lacey. Glow. Really? Oh, cool. That's great. Isn't that wild? That's awesome. What are the odds of all the TV that exists? Right, right. Mm. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Well, Lacey, thank you again. We're, thank you. Yeah, this was great. And WTF. Power. Bye. Bye.